0: Well, friends, I spend a good amount of time thinking about the disconnect that we have between Sunday and Monday. I mean, I don't know how often we, you and I, or you have experienced this, but I, I have this feeling quite often where I wonder, like, why can't it always feel like, like this? I have, like, this clarity in a moment of worship. I might have this peace in a time after prayer. Whether I'm beginning the day like that or I'm ending the day like that and I kind of just have this thing of like, I want to be this person, whatever it is that I'm doing later on today or whatever it is that I'm gonna be doing tomorrow. And then the reality of the world just kind of hits me. And I find myself, like if I'm in the car tailgating, I find myself in the car, you know, annoyed with the people around me because you know, I'm a very, very good driver and the others can't keep up type of a thing. Right, I, I find myself kind of in, in frustration that the world isn't organized and isn't running in the way that I think that it should. But yet, when I come here, things feel right. Things feel good. I wish the world was kind of like this. And I don't come here, and I hope you don't come here, just looking for an hour of escape. I'm not looking for escape. I come here because I want to be re I come here because I want to be reminded of of how good God is and what he has done in my life, and I'm encouraged by what God has done in the lives of others. So I'm not looking for escape, I'm looking for meaning. I'm looking for purpose, I'm looking for joy. And I get frustrated that Mondays don't always feel like that, that Mondays don't feel like Sundays. I wonder how can we help each other live faithfully in all the different places that we find ourselves in? Because context, context feels like it's key. And everywhere we find ourselves has a context. Everywhere that we find ourselves has a context. There is a guiding story or a particular narrative in everywhere we go, in every relationship, in, in, our, family network, in our family relationships, in our friendship networks. At work, we have a particular context. Uh, wherever it is that we recreate, there's all these different contexts that we have, whether it be shopping or anywhere else. I can illustrate this a little bit. We all have different types of friends throughout our lives, right? You have your neighbor friends, you have the friends that you went to college with, you have some high school friends, now that Facebook has brought everyone back together again, you have your work friends, you have your church friends, and all it takes is like some huge event like your wedding that where all your friends are going to converge into one spot and everything is going to kind of like intersect with each other. You could even like demonstrate this like with a Super Bowl party next week. Like who would you invite to it? And like you would have like all these mix of people and you have a little bit of anxiety about it because there's a different context attached to every relationship. I'm not sure I want my work friends, to hang out with my church friends type of a thing. Because I'm a little bit different there as I, as I am over here, right? This reminds me of that Seinfeld episode with, with George, who, who had, he was, uh, he was dating this girl and he didn't want this girl to meet uh, Jerry and his friends because he was in relationship George and then there was independent George. And if relationship George meets independent George, then the worlds would collide, right? Did you, anyone see this Seinfeld episode but me? Well, I, I pretty much explained it. It, it, was, a, it was a great <laughs> episode. And, and, and that, we, we feel that a little bit with our, with our context, our, our worlds colliding. And so there's this overarching context. There's these contexts, and then there's like this overarching context that informs all the other contexts, and that, that is why identity and mission matter so much. And that's why we've been talking about it all month. We, we began the series called Finding Your Place in God's World by asking, what is your why? Which wanted to examine the, the idea of your calling and your purpose. And then we asked, what was our what? What were we doing? What was our activity? What was, what was our practice? And then last week, we talked about who we were and who we were not. And just as a quick reminder, please know that this church will, will never ask you to be someone that you are not. We want to be loud and clear, front and center. That Our prayer for you is that you would be the person that God has called you to be, and not anyone else. Be You be you. And tonight, we want to focus on uh, knowing your where, or as I want to... Point out tonight to know your wares because there's so many different places that we go. But before we jump to the text, I, 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 I do want us to slow down a little bit because we, we have this habit of, of, of hearing so many sermons and we go through them so, so quickly and I, and I hope they minister to you. I, I really do. But I want to ask you and, and not to put you too much on the spot, but a little bit on the spot. As you've been hearing this series have you paused and asked yourself, what is your why? I mean, maybe you, you thought about that in the middle of the sermon, but have you, have you paused on what is your what beyond this room? I mean, those are really important questions. Last time I was part of a, last summer I was part of a leadership intensive uh, that was intended for pastors, and I received some personal consulting as a result of it. And, and it sounds really fun, um, when you sign up for it and then when the questions start getting more and more personal you're like yeah oh I, I, I don't know where this is going type of a thing and, and I, I was kind of in this one-on-one with one of the organizers and, and he asked me what is the unique thing that you believe that God has called you to do in ministry what is that one unique thing that God has called you to do in, in, in ministry? And, and I don't want the Christian answers, and I don't want the safe answers. Like, what is the unique thing? Like, why, why do you think God has you here? And I thought for a few moments, and, you know, I, I, wanted to, I, wanted to, I wanted to play along, but I wanted it to be real, too. So I said, you know, something to the effect of, I really do have a heart for everyone. Like, I, I, I really do. I, I, I like them all. But my, my heart in ministry there's a there's a there's a there's a part of me that like the passionate part of me on, on this is is to serve and to speak to those who are really struggling with the Christian faith who are really struggling with the idea of being a Christian who aren't sure if they want to continue being a Christian I like the doubters I like the seekers I like the thinking types and the skeptics and the honest people like that who who they 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 like Jesus, they're just not sure if they really want to follow him and dedicate the rest of their life to him. I like having those conversations. Partially because I'm something like that myself. And the other part is because I really believe that God met me there. I, I believe that God showed me his reality in the midst of the pain, in the midst of the suffering and evil that we find ourselves in. It's, in the, it's there that I saw, I feel that I've experienced God's beauty and his meaning, his meaning and his hopefulness. And I bought in. And I hope I can lead others in some way to, to buy into. I want to make God's reality real to people for those who find it a little bit too, too complicated. So that's, that's me. What about you? I would love to encourage you to spend some time writing these thoughts out. I would love to encourage you to go through that process of the frustration of it and also the joy of it. And they they tend to go hand in hand. But tonight we want to look at finding our wares, And through this series we have been using Ephesians 4 as our starting point. And tonight we want to continue in Ephesians 4 and we want to start in, in verse 4. So chapter 4, verse 4 of Ephesians. And it reads like this. There is one body and one spirit just as you were called to one hope. When you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of us all, who is over all and in all and through all. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ has apportioned it. Well, the key word there is one. I mean, it's, it's, it's there many times, one body, one spirit, called to one hope. There's one Father of, over us all, there is a continued and clear call to unity. And in Paul's world, this was a big deal because he was reminding Christian Jews and also Christian Gentiles that they were to be part of one body and they didn't really like each other. There was was a lot of tension going on between those two groups. And he was saying, there's not two different churches here. There's only one church. There's one seal. There's one pledge. There's only one power. We... We are living, obviously, in very tricky times right now. And we all probably need to be reminded that we are all part of one church, one capital C global church. And as one who is very aware of how hard it is to associate with some fellow Christians, we have to be reminded that we are indeed one church. That doesn't mean we have to agree on all matters. It also does mean that you get to give your voice in such matters. And so may we use our voices wisely to honor God and to serve others. There's a reoccurring conversation that I've been having with, with people in this room and, 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 and people throughout our church. And, and it's about our, our, our divided society. How, how can I continue on like this? And, and I want to encourage you. Yes, as frustrating as it is to hear the thoughts of others and and as frustrating as it is sometimes to not feel heard yourself. Don't break fellowship. Don't break fellowship. Trust God in this unity that that we have here. Trust the unity that Paul is describing. Don't break fellowship. This doesn't mean that we can't rebuke one another. This doesn't mean that we can't speak up. This doesn't mean that we can't speak out. We ought to engage in thoughtful dialogue, but we have to also pursue unity. I'm trusting that the Lord will honor this, part of this, this pursuit of unity and that he will work through it and do extraordinary things through it. And I'm, I'm looking forward to the time years from now when I get to look back on this and say, I didn't, I didn't know if we were going to make it out of that. But praise God he delivered us through that as well. Unity. To pick up at verse 7, it talks about how grace has been apportioned. God has given grace as Christ apportioned it. It may surprise you to know that that Paul uses grace in a few different ways throughout the New Testament. There's saving grace that that we commonly know. There is sanctifying grace, which sounds like one of those religiously, you know, annoying words, sanctifying grace. It's really hard to say the word sanctifying without, like, being nasally about it. Sanctifying grace, right? (laughs) But but sanctifying grace is, is a type of grace uh, that, that talks about the working, the, the work that God is doing throughout our lives. And then there's like the grace that used as strength in other virtues. And here in this context, this idea of grace is, is uh, some, some scholars have interpreted it as ministry. So this idea of grace is ministry. So what, what happens if we change the word from grace to ministry? It looks like this in this verse. But to each one of us, ministry has been given as Christ apportioned it. Now, if you know where I'm going with this, you probably won't like it. Wait, what? I now have a ministry? Listen, man, I I, I barely got to the service on time. I'm not really sure I I want a ministry. This this is just getting a little too intense for me. I know. I know. I'm really sorry, but that's what the Bible is saying. That may stagger us a bit. And and we have, you know, this this word ministry is a a tricky word for us because we usually think of it in terms of like those televangelists Like who have like you know their, their names out in front in like these big, loud, cursive, neon letters, and then ministry like like right on the bottom, and they need that word. Some of them do to 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 get like all the donations and things like that. Which now that I've mentioned, probably doesn't sound too bad for you, right? Like to get donations to your ministry, but that's not the type of ministry that I'm talking about, of course. But we've been given some type of a ministry. We we all have. And I, 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 think, I think that word is there to assure us that God is with us in this moment, too. Ministry. God has given it to you, and He wants you to use that God given calling, that God given vocation, not the thing that you're paid to do, but the thing that He's called you to work towards in this sense of ministry. Congratulations, friends. You have a ministry. You're welcome. You're, 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 you're. All right, you're hearing it. It, it continues on. And, and I don't know if this gets worse or better for you, depending on how you're feeling about ministry, but, but let's pick it up in verse 11. So Christ himself gave the apostles and the prophets and the evangelists and the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of fullness of Christ. So if you're you're following along with what we're doing here with with the sense of ministry, then you're one of the apostles. You're one of the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers. And for a lot of us, we haven't thought of ourselves with those types of words. But I also want you to notice this piece before, before we tackle that. All these things are like this so that the body of Christ may be built up. We're all builders in this. We're all contributing to this. And and sometimes it, if you feel like I do, like maybe I feel like something is missing, it could be your contribution that is missing. Cuz we're all supposed to be building towards this. I want to encourage you tonight. Please don't ever feel that your presence is optional or not needed. And I know that's a really natural feeling in in, in a large type of church. They probably wouldn't miss me if I was gone. They probably, they have this great organization, they have these amazing people, their their budget is working, they probably wouldn't miss me if I was gone. The local church needs individual believers to exercise their God-given calling and their God-given vocations in their ministry and in the greater ministry. We, we, we need all of you. We really do, in either in this church or in any Christ-centered church as, as, as we serve the kingdom together. But I want to encourage you, you are not disposable. You are very, very needed. We, we, we sometimes get in trouble with one another though when, when, we, when we play our agendas against each other. But when, when we use our calling together we get to live out these scriptures until, as it reads here, until we reach in unity, the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God, becoming mature. And it takes a little practice. It takes some missteps. It takes some some forgiveness. It takes some reconciliation. It takes some hard conversations. And then we, you find you start to find a rhythm. And then you and then and then you have like another problem. And then you have to you have to go through this. Up and down windy, messy road of, of, of the Christian life. and that's part of the reason of why community is so wonderful because we get to do this together in the mess of it all, with God's grace, strengthening and guiding us. And there's this other word. I, I don't want to be the Bible nerd that, that bores you, but like like after you, like you study a text, like you just start falling in love with the passage and like there's just some like really cool things here. The word that's used for to equip um, in some translations is, is read as to prepare. And it literally means to, 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 to put right, as in when you're setting the broken bone right. So in the New Testament, that, that, that verb is used also like in the mending of the broken nets, like in, in, the, in, in the book of Matthew, or in restoring what was lapsed. God is using our brokenness. And using that as equipping, this, as equipping. And he's putting us right so that we can work our calling out in the midst of the world. I love that because that's what I feel like sometimes. I, I, there's other people that, brought, that God could probably use who would be more effective than me because I got issues. I, I, I'm, I'm messy sometimes. I, I feel sometimes this broken spirit. And God says, perfect, you're exactly what I want. And if you can relate to that, then fellow ministers, let's get to work. Then fellow ministers, what is your calling? Then fellow ministers, what is your vocation about? Because that, that's, that's, that's what we're doing here today. Make no mistake, in this room, there are apostles and evangelists and teachers and pastors of of many types. And I know what some of you might be thinking, oh, come on. Those are the things that pastors like you always say. There's teachers and pastors and apostles in this room. And you say that because you want me to listen to you. And then you want me to take instructions from you. And you just want to use me. No, 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 that's, that's not what we're trying to do. Heart to heart here. My hope tonight is that you would serve the kingdom of Jesus by bringing the narrative of Jesus to the front line of your life in word and in deed. And that doesn't necessarily mean to do that here in the church, but to do that wherever it is that you spend your hours. To do that in the front lines of your life, whether that be your workplaces or your work or, or places that you recreate, wherever it is that, 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 that you are that you would bring the narrative of Jesus there. We need a strong church. We need a strong community of believers, a a, a community of witnesses that are willing to confront the lies of this world and to tell this world that there is something better, and it is found in Jesus, that that there is a God who, who works out redemption of broken people like you and like me, and I think that is a message that people are interested in, in hearing. So maybe you're tracking with me, but you're, you're still not sure about apostles and evangelists and, 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 and all of that. What if we use different terms, more modern understandings of that? I wonder if Paul was writing today, instead of using some of those terms, maybe, maybe he would say, we need CEOs instead of apostles. I wonder if he would say, we need leaders and thinkers and communicators to complement the idea of teachers. And perhaps instead of using the word evangelists, maybe he'd say, we need storytellers and filmmakers and designers and marketers and poets and artists and people of all types like that. Or to borrow from, from Pastor Brian's message this morning, by the way, I just love doing this. I, I get to work with Brian throughout the week on these messages, like he preached the same text, and then I get to hear the sermon in the morning and take some good stuff from it for you guys here at night. I mean, this is like win-win. And, and then I also get rid of my, well, I think I get rid of some of my bad stuff. Um, like, you know, that sounded better when he said it, so I'm going to say it like that too. But here's what he said this morning. He said, think about it for a minute, the type of work that you do, whether you get paid for it or not. If you work in education, you are advancing knowledge and human potential. If you work in law or law enforcement, you are advancing ju- justice. If you work in manufacturing, manufacturing, you are producing goods that make life easier, safer, and more comfortable for people. If you work in construction, you provide spaces for people to live and work. If you work in medicine, you are keeping people healthy and productive. If you work in IT, you are accelerating human endeavor in just about every area. If you are a parent, you are raising the next generation of Christ followers. If you work in media, you are communicating with people and you're helping them in a number of ways. If you work in finance, you are stewarding people's money for their good and for society's good. And if you're retired, you're probably working harder than any of us. You are likely contributing to the well-being of your family, your community, and your church as well. When you do your work well, whatever it is, it makes the world a safer, healthier, happier, and more productive, more beautiful place. And our work as church leaders is to equip you, to mobilize you, so that you can work well in the places that God sends you out from week to week. All that's good stuff too. I know this is one of those moments that it feels right on Sunday night, but Monday is coming. And is it going to work on Monday? And I don't know how what your week looks like, but throughout my week, I'm constantly sold to. And as a pastor, I don't want to, to sell you on this. I, I would love for the Lord to to let this kind of marinade in, in your heart and, and for you to just let it take shape and for you just to, to live it out as, as the Lord leads you. But I'm tired of, of being sold to. And I don't think this is a pitch in that same way. It, comes, it feels like it comes down to this. When it comes to spreading the love and the hope of God to our community across our world,
1: the only way that it's
0: going to happen is through you and me the problems and challenges that our world faces, it needs to be addressed by people like you and me. Those are the people that God is using. Friends, you are the plan. You are the plan. We need you. We need each other. We are the plan. I know we keep thinking that there's going to be like a new book that's going to bail us out. There's going to be some new initiative that's going to make all these things right. But... You have a role. We all have a role. And as a pastor, one of my roles is to equip you and to make you very well aware of the fact that you have a role in this. It's why Sunday is so vital. It's why small groups are really important. It's why spiritual formation is key because that is the fuel that helps us continue on in these roles. It's prayer that's going to help illuminate our roles and our calling, our identity, and our mission. It's community that's going to have a factor in that as well. But make no mistake, fellow ministers, you are the plan. Even in the age of these coming AI robots, is anybody following the AI robots like I'm following them? Artificial intelligence robots, no one is but me? Man, I got, I got news. OK, some are. OK, I, I know you are. I got, I got news for you. Like, like they, it's gonna be a big deal <laughs> to, to, to make a, a, a severe understatement. I, I, went to a, I went to a lecture once and, and the person who, uh, who, who was giving the, the, you know, the, the talk said, when the AI carless drivers take over, the first job that they're going to get rid of is gonna be a really significant one and it's going to be the truck driving job because it's going to be safer, it's gonna be more economical, and it is, it is going to have a profound impact. And that is the job that most men who, uh, that most men who did not go to college have, because there is a great living wage there. And that is going to disrupt society in a really big way. In fact, a lot of those men won't even be able to repair the vehicles that they've been driving, because the AI cars, tr- tr- driverless trucks will be so complicated that they won't even be able to repair them. I mean, like the AI revolution is, is, is coming, right? I, I don't know what it's going to mean for ministers like me, right? If you'll be able to come to, to Grace Chapel one day, there'll be a jukebox out in the middle of the lobby and you'll be able to just like to press a particular sermon that you want to hear and a hologram, you know, will just come up. I don't know. I, 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 don't, I don't think that's in our budget, but, but who, who knows? Who, who, who knows, right? But I, I, I think this, though, in all sincerity... I think when it comes to the good of the world, we as ministers are always going to have a job. I really do. I don't think that's actually a job that an artificial intelligence machine will be able to take from us, because I don't think that calling that God has where we share our hope can be understood by by something that does not have a soul. In fact, I, I think because we have souls, because we, understand, because we understand sin and brokenness, which means then that we get to understand what forgiveness is really about, which means we get to understand what redemption is about, I think that means we're always going to be at work. We are the plan. We are the plan. And I, and I hope that you feel empowered and encouraged by that. And so we ask ourselves then, where are your wares? It's probably a few different places. Your home, like we said, your vocational life, your professional life, your personal life. But where are your wares? I, I was I was uh every now and then I, I I get a really wonderful person that comes up to me and says, Hey, I I'm really taking you seriously on, on, on this where is your where type of a thing. And I would love your help in starting a Bible study at my work. And I always I sometimes, like, I don't, I don't I'm not cringe, but I'm, I'm not sure if a Bible study at work is the starting point. And so I, I, I depending on the type of relationship that I have with that person, I, I, I may share something like that. Because I'm not sure that, like, you know, picking the right study really is going to be the key. I think one of the best things that you can do at work is the work of, like, what's which, which referred to as chaplaincy but I don't mean ever using the word chaplaincy. So don't go into work tomorrow and say, I would like to be the unofficial chaplain of, of this office, because <laughs> that's not gonna help. You should have just started the Bible study instead. But if you think about what chaplaincy does, the good chaplains, the amazing chaplains, they come alongside people who are struggling, who are suffering, who are hurting, and they, they, they walk alongside, they listen, they support, they pray, they're the ones who get asked for advice. They're the ones who get asked for, for help. They're the ones who, who hear the secrets, who hear the tough things. They're the ones who, who are invited into life. And, and I, I think of how valuable this is, because there's a lot of people that you work with and that you live near that I'm never going to have access to. In fact, they would never listen to a person like me. And there's, a, there's some people that, that you know won't listen to you but you also know that there are some people who will only listen to you. And that is the work of a chaplain. And I think that's something that most of us can do in one way or another. Your wares are found in the places that you love and hate the most. Your places are found in the places that you love and hate the most, in the places that you frequent in the places that you avoid, the, the moments that seem to draw you in again and again. When I was, when I was preparing for this message, I, I, I felt this dilemma of, of how, to make this, how to make this practical. And there's always like the temptation of telling you like, some really great, amazing story, but I, I didn't want that to be something that, that, that couldn't be related to. So I'm gonna tell you a really boring story. No, I'm only kidding. I wanna tell you an ordinary story. <coughs> And, but it's a, it's a true story, if that helps. And it's a personal story. I, I, I feel like that I have this, you know, there, there's this Pastor Tim, like kind of like relationship George. And then I have like, you know, like the, the non-Pastor Tim part of me, like when I go to my kids' baseball games or, or, or the kid, my kids' soccer f- games or when I go to a school play or something like that. And, and I, there's always like this little identity conflict that I have. And in fact, like when I travel, this, this would happen early on in my ministry especially when people would ask me what I did they would they would say oh you're a pastor but you look so young how, how, how could you be a pastor and, and then I would always I would always get frustrated by that one time I, I got onto a plane and it was like this really chatty person that took their seat right next to me and they asked me what I did and I just I just couldn't take it anymore so I lied and I and I, and I and I told the person I was a toll booth collector, and they didn't ask me one single question after that, and it was great. I put my headphones in, I had enjoyed the flight, and then I just felt miserable. Like later on, after I realized that I had just like you know, denied Jesus like, just, like this person like right next to me, so I never I never did that again. But I, I go to I go to this gym, and I I I I I, I am that guy with the headphones in. Who, who's listened to podcasts and I'm always behind schedule and I'm always running from one thing to the next. And I, and I, I probably try to give off this vibe that I don't really want to be sociable because I'm sweating and I, I don't really feel like being relational right there, right? And, and I'm, trying to, I'm trying to not hurt myself as, as, I, as, I, as I lift these, these, these things for some reason and And there was this you know you go, you go after a while and you see you see the same people over and over, and then it starts feeling weird that you don't say hi" to the same people o- over and over, and then you bump into one of these people at the Starbucks next to the gym, so then you feel obligated to say hi and that 's what happened in, in, in this this recent, in, this recent instance we said hello we we realized we had a lot in common we were of similar ages we were uh, of similar middle Eastern descent and um and, and we worked out pretty much you know, similar days. And we realized that, you know, one day over the summer that we were going to be, our families were going to be in the same place with each other. So we exchanged cell phone numbers. And as, as after we did that, we, we weren't able to actually connect. But we started talking to each other a little bit more personally. And the day came when he asked, so what is it that you do for work? And I was like, oh, no, we were getting along so well until then. i um, one of the pastors at my church. Oh. And, and it felt to me, and it could be my insecurity, it could be whatever it was, I don't know. It felt to me that we weren't waving hello to each other as often as, as, as we were before, right? And, and, and after a while, that, like, that, 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 that picked up again, and we would say hello, and we'd make small talk, and, and, and that sort of thing. But at one point, I, I did say, because he, he had brought up something, and I said, you know, I'd love to have a cup of coffee about that, which which was an awkward moment to some degree, and he never took me up on it, and I regretted saying it, because I tell you, I don't want to be the weird guy. I don't want to be the weird guy here. I don't want to be the weird guy at the gym. I don't want to be the weird neighbor. You, you're pretty much the same. You don't want to be the weird person either, right? This is the one thing that we have in common. And so recently, I noticed that he wasn't at the gym. I even hesitated in telling the story in case he ever hears a story. I, 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 was, I wasn't even sure if I wa- even wanted to. But I, I realized that he, he hadn't been at the gym for, for, for weeks and weeks. And I had, his, I had his cell phone number. And so I decided that maybe I should text him. And then I decided that I shouldn't because we weren't really that close of friends. I don't even know his last name. But then I decided that, yeah, I should text him. So I texted him. I said, hey, you haven't seen in a while. hope you're all right. Um, Just checking in. Five minutes later, he sent me a text saying, Oh my goodness, thank you for your text. I went through a terrible medical emergency. I'm lucky to be alive. Thank you so much for for your text. I'm going through a spiritual awakening, I think you might call it. And I'd love to grab coffee sometime. Now, I was really humbled by that. Because of the attitude that I had that, that I'm describing to you before. I was really humbled by that. I don't know what's going to happen. I, 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 it could turn into a wonderful conversation. It, it, it might not. But there are so many different types of moments like that that you have, that I have. And a lot of the times, we chicken out of it. Because we don't really want to be ministers. We don't really want to live out the calling that God has placed in our lives. But maybe you're learning the same thing that, that, that I continue to bump into time and time again. That God is up to something. And he wants to use you as part of it. And so friends, as we try to figure out our wares, let us be attentive. That there is more happening behind the scenes and in front, right there in the front lines of it all. I I don't know how you perceive yourself when when it it comes to these words of of being a, a kingdom builder.
1: But I'm telling you, I
0: believe this. You are, some of you are apostles. Some of you are evangelists. Some of you are teachers. Many of you are storytellers. Many of you have so many different roles and a combination of roles. And God wants to use you in your gifting, in your experiences, to work in the places that only you can work. So this week, as you unpack a little bit of this As you pray, may you find the time to to ask these tough questions to yourself. What are my whys? What are my what's? Who am I? Who am I not? And where are my where's? Amen. Let's pray together. Our Holy Father, we, we, we do thank you for the power of your scripture and for how encouraging it is, for, for how it makes us understand a little bit more of our identity and what you have called us to. And so may you give us courage, Lord, to be the people that you have called us to be. Thank you, Lord, for, for seeing us as, as people that you can work through, as your instruments, as your vessels. Thank you, Lord. We are humbled by this. And Father, we lift up to you the people that our lives bump up against, the people that we are going to serve as these unofficial chaplains towards. We pray, Lord, that you'd prepare their hearts as we try to be faithful with the, this hopeful message of redemption that you have given us. We thank you, Lord, for your love and for your mercy. Amen.